discuter de tout ça. I don't want to set the world on fire. We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. Good evening, good afternoon, or good morning, whenever it may be, wherever you may be, and however you may be hearing my voice. Whether it be via download through one of the many podcast platforms, or if you are listening to the premiere on the Alternate Current Radio's live stream, I appreciate you tuning in and joining me as we attempt to navigate the shark-infested waters of the agenda-centivized media and look past the propaganda. This is your daily dose of what's currently all the ruckus. What in God's name is going on in here? What was that ruckus? Uh, what ruckus? I was just in my office and I heard a ruckus. Could you describe the ruckus, sir? Watch your tongue, young man. Watch it. Fox News reports Texas residents were stunned to see a fireball blaze across the sky on Sunday night. According to NASA Meteor Watch, the celestial spectacle passed overhead just before 9 p.m. Central Time. Quote, hundreds of eyewitnesses in the states of Texas, Louisiana, Arkansas, and Oklahoma report seeing a very bright fireball last night at 8.58 p.m. Central Daylight Time. The meteor was first seen 48 miles above Texas Highway 11, between Sulphur Springs and Winsboro. Moving northeast at 30,000 miles per hour, it traveled 59 miles through the upper atmosphere before fragmenting 27 miles above US 82, east of Avery. The fireball was at least as bright as a quarter moon. The slow speed for a meteor suggests a small piece of an asteroid produced the fireball." Hundreds uploaded witness reports to the nonprofit American Meteor Society and CBSDFW.com said Monday that others claimed they had heard a quote-unquote sonic boom. Foxnews.com. Wow. And that took place over portions of the Bible Belt. I wonder how many eyewitnesses thought it was the second coming. And can you blame them? Stories of bright fireballs streaking across the sky, accompanied by earth-shattering noises, does kind of sound like something out of the Bible. In fact, so do a handful of other stories I ran across recently. For instance, in Fort Worth, we're hearing news about an accused criminal being stoned to death by an angry mob. In Colorado, a 10-year-old has died from the plague and news outlets worldwide have been reporting on the heavy torrential rains that recently pounded Germany, Belgium, and China, describing the flooding as quote-unquote biblical. You're listening to Alternate Current Radio. I'm Adam Clark, and this is The Daily Ruckus. Howdy, folks. Now, I've read a lot of news in my lifetime, and unfortunately, not just on air for the Daily Ruckus, which alone at this point could easily account for 25% of my news consumption, which if you do the math leaves approximately 75% of my news consumption being in the other category, i.e. news that I read to myself. And no, not out loud. But all of that aside, like I said, 
I have read a lot of news in my lifetime. Yet never once did I ever suspect, for even a remote millisecond, that I would ever read news like this. Fox 4 News out of Fort Worth, Texas reports, Police say a group of people in Fort Worth stoned a gunman to death after he killed one person and injured three others. The incident happened about 1 a.m. Monday in Fort Worth's Como neighborhood on the southwest side in the 5600 block of Shiloh Drive near Bryant Irvin Road and the Chisholm Trail Parkway. Police said a small gathering was happening in someone's backyard when a person became upset and left. He shortly returned with another person and got into an argument with multiple people. At that point, police said, he shot at least one person, non-fatally. After that, the other people at the party started chasing the shooter. The gunman then turned around and fired into the small crowd. In response, they began throwing landscaping stones and bricks back at the gunman. Quote, what we're saying is some of the people picked up what we call stone pavers, what you line your driveway with. That was something they initially could get, said Tracy Carter with Fort Worth PD. I don't want to say maybe used as defense, but that's what they were able to throw at the gunman, end quote. Police said the group eventually caught up to the gunman. At that point, the gunman resumed firing at the crowd and hit at least two more people. One person died from their injuries at the scene. Quote, they either caught him or he fell to the ground, Carter said, and at that time he lost his life, what we believe, by stones. The M E is going to have to determine that, end quote. Carter has a clear warning about the crowd's reaction. He said, quote, let the authorities handle it. We do not advise someone going after someone who has a gun, end quote. Police are also investigating another shooting Sunday afternoon in the same neighborhood. The violence in the Como community comes just weeks after a 4th of July shooting in which eight were injured by gunfire after a holiday celebration. Community leaders in Como are eager to see an end to what they call senseless shootings. Longtime resident Ella Burton is involved with the Como Neighborhood Action Committee. She'd like to see more resources return to promote positive activities for young people. Quote, we'd like to see re-implemented some of the programs we had, she said. Back in the day, we had maybe five years ago some programs. We'd get grants through the community center. Kids at least would have an avenue and someone to talk to, end quote. Burton believes some of the violence is the result of pent-up frustrations accumulated during the pandemic. In this latest case, a shooter was stoned to death by an angry mob. The bizarre killing is still under investigation. Fox4news.com Um, yeah, so that happened. An accused criminal was stoned to death by an angry mob. And if that doesn't sound biblical, I don't know what does. Well, except of course all of the extreme weather events we've been having. Heck, even the news reporters themselves refer to these things as quote-unquote biblical. Yet at the same time, it's no stretch of the imagination to guess exactly how the secular world feels about extreme weather events and what's causing them. But in case there's any doubt, Eugene Robinson, in an opinion piece written for the Times News, 
says, We are fiddling while the world burns, and floods, and chokes, and maybe even careens past some kind of unforeseen climate change tipping point that will make what are now extreme weather events devastatingly commonplace. World Weather Attribution, an international group of leading climate scientists, concluded in a new study that the recent deadly heat wave in the Pacific Northwest, which broke all-time high temperature records not in tiny increments, which is how that almost always happens, but by as many as four or five whole degrees Celsius, would have been, quote, virtually impossible without human-caused climate change, end quote. That's bad enough, but what follows in this analysis is worse. Please stay with me while I quote it at length, because the scary part comes at the end. Quote, the observed temperatures were so extreme that they lie far outside the range of historically observed temperatures. Temperatures. This makes it hard to quantify with confidence how rare the event was. In the most realistic statistical analysis, the event is estimated to be about a 1 in 1,000 year event in today's climate. There are two possible sources of this extreme jump in peak temperatures. The first is that this is a very low probability event, even in the current climate, which already includes about 1.2 degrees Celsius, almost 2.2 degrees Fahrenheit, of global warming, the statistical equivalent of really bad luck, albeit aggravated by climate change. The second option is that nonlinear interactions in the climate have substantially increased the probability of such extreme heat, much beyond the gradual increase in heat extremes that has been observed up to now. We need to investigate the second possibility further, although we note the climate models do not show it. End quote. Note the phrase nonlinear interactions. The possibility the authors raise is that the warming we have already caused may have somehow triggered sudden and unpredictable changes in weather patterns, including the frequency and intensity of extreme events. What kinds of events, hypothetically, might those be? We don't have to imagine these scenarios. The torrential, almost biblical rainfall last week in Germany and Belgium which caused unprecedented flooding that washed away picturesque villages and claimed at least 200 lives might be one example. So is the similar deluge this week in China's Henan province, which caused flooding and a final death toll that has yet to be tabulated. This year's fire season in the American West is already worse than last year's, which was horrific. As of this writing, the National Interagency Fire Center reports that 79 significant fires have torn through 1,448,053 acres of land. Among these conflagrations is the Bootleg Fire in Oregon, which is so big and hot that it creates its own local weather. The wildfires are generating so much smoke that impacts have reached the East Coast. On Tuesday, New York had its worst air quality in 15 years because of smoke brought there by high-altitude winds from the other side of the continent. Parts of Western Canada are also ablaze, and wildfires in Russian Siberia may exceed last year's record levels, with smoke threatening populated areas such as the city of Yakutsk with a quote-unquote air apocalypse 
of choking toxic pollution. Skeptics often attack climate scientists for alleged overconfidence in their predictions about the disastrous impact of climate change, but leading researchers are being honest and humble about the extreme weather we're seeing. World Weather Attribution calculated that if we have another 1.4 degrees Fahrenheit of warming, which is projected to occur by the 2040s unless we take bold action, an extreme heat wave in the northwest like the one we just saw would no longer be expected to happen every 1,000 years, but quote, roughly every 5 to 10 years, end quote. But if some quote-unquote non-linear process is happening, the scientists have no idea what we should expect and they acknowledge it. Michael E. Mann, director of Pennsylvania State University's Earth System Science Center, told CNN that, quote, the signal is emerging from the noise more quickly than climate scientists' models predicted. The signal is now large enough that we can see it in the daily weather, end quote. It's clear to me that we are now at the point where the old disclaimer about not being able to ascribe any specific weather event to climate change no longer applies in the way it used to. Thousand-year floods or fires or storms are supposed to be, by definition, rare. When they happen in bunches all around the world, obviously something is going on. The question is, what, precisely? The models climate scientists developed told us that these kinds of events were our future. If the future is now, we'll need to figure out what's going on and how to respond to it fast. Timesnews.net Well, look at that. More evidence that global warming is just so much more a religion than anything else. I mean, they have their prophets in the form of climate scientists who develop models that can predict events to happen in the future, and based on what Eugene Robinson spoke of in that opinion piece, it appears the acolytes to this religion are facing what can only be described as their version of an apocalyptic scenario. They are indeed considering these extreme weather events as signs of the times as it were. And chances are pretty strongly that some Christians are as well. After all, they too believe in prophets who predicted that these kinds of events were in our future, and arguably way before the climate scientists did. Tom May, in an opinion piece for News and Tribune, writes, The little man in the comics wandered the busy sidewalks, placard resting securely on his shoulders. The end of the world is near, the sign always read. The doomsday clock is ticking. Since 1947, the non-profit organization, the Bullet of the Atomic Scientists, BAS, adjusts its symbolic clock to represent how close we are to destroying civilization as we know it. In 2020, the clock was set at 100 seconds to midnight, the closest it has ever been to the theoretical end. According to a poll conducted by the Joshua Fund, about 44% of Americans see the coronavirus pandemic and this year's economic roller coaster as either a wake-up call to faith, a sign of God's coming judgment, or both. 
According to a YouGov survey gathered last year, about one-third of American adults believe that an apocalyptic disaster will occur in their lifetime. About 17% of these warriors say they have a survival plan for their families. The Pew Research Center poll shows that 40% of American adults believe that Jesus is going to return by 2050. This number also includes about one in five people who have no religious affiliation whatsoever. Every poll speaks the same thing. We think the end is near. What will be the likely cause of the global end? Americans are almost equally divided in their responses. 19% believe it will come at the hands of a global pandemic. Another 19% feel climate change will be the culprit. 17% foresee a nuclear disaster, while another 13% explain the end will come by the skies splitting open, ushering in the final judgment day. Doomsday predictions are not new. December 21st, 2012 marked the end of the Mayan calendar. Many misinterpreted the event to mean the end of all time. A man in China built a modern-day ark to prepare for the end. Another recent prediction of the end times was made by Harold Camping. Camping actually had publicly prophesied the apocalypse 12 times. He saw the end coming on May 21st, 2011, because it would be exactly 7,000 years after the flood of Noah. When the date passed, he announced his math had an error and pushed the date to October 21st of the same year. Are you old enough to remember the commotion around the turn of the century? Y2K? Computers were supposed to shut down, throwing the world into a technological tizzy. Many believed we would be without power, communication, and the ability to survive. Looking back, the worst thing about that year was Windows Millennium Edition. The narrative of a coming end-of-the-world disaster is told beyond Christianity. Judaism, Islam, and Buddhism joined the Christian faith in anticipating an event to end all events. The Greek word apocalypsis means an unveiling, revealing something that was hidden. The faiths believe that the apocalypse will usher in a new life, but is it possible to miss the event? During the Apostle Paul's missionary journey, one of the locations where Paul spent time was in Thessalonica. Today, Thessaloniki is the second largest city in Greece. It has become one of the most important business centers in southeastern Europe. Greater Thessaloniki boasts over a million inhabitants. Paul wrote two letters to these Christians that are preserved in the New Testament. Paul wrote 1 Thessalonians from Corinth about AD 51. Only a few months had passed since Paul had been preaching there. Chased from the city by an uprising, Paul was uncertain how persecution and incorrect teaching would affect their newly formed faith. 2 Thessalonians appears to follow a couple of months later. These two epistles provide Paul's clearest teaching about the end times. Many were concerned that the death of their loved ones signaled the end of their hope. Paul taught that before the actual end of time and judgment, Christ himself would return. The dead who had believed will rise first, followed close by the living faithful. This gathering in the air will begin in eternity with the Lord. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16-18. through 18. Others were bothered by the constant persecution and suffering they were enduring. While Jewish and Roman persecution provided real threats, Paul warns them the real 
persecution is a part of a spiritual battle. Comparisons with passages in Daniel, Matthew, and Revelation lead many to foresee an antichrist working hard to thwart the message of the gospel. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 3. Many others were afraid they had missed Jesus's return. Paul assured the readers the second coming of Jesus was not going to be an event they could sleep through. Trumpets blaring, lights like fire blazing, all people will be drawn into an event to end all other events. Paul wanted the insight into the future to dictate the faithfulness and obedience of their present. He urged them to encourage and strengthen each other with these words. When society slips away from a basis of morality and ethics, and solely focuses on political strength and material security, people fail to notice the spiritual moorings that need to anchor life. Paul urges discipline and self-control to form the borders of a life filled with love and faithfulness. The apostle to the Gentiles was concerned that believers in Thessalonica stood firm in their faith in spite of persecution and false teachers. Their hope in the return of Jesus in the future should serve as encouragement and motivation for their faithfulness and obedience. Paul expected to see them faithful until the end. He expects no less from us. Newsandtribune.com and speaking of expectations of the faithful, as the primary missionary on this little journey we call the Daily Ruckus, i.e. as the host, I expect you, the faithful listener, to tune into the next episode as we wrap up this epic biblical discussion. I, like Paul, expect no less from you. For the ACR, I'm Adam Clark, and this has been the Daily Ruckus for Wednesday, July 28, 2021. For more information, please visit alternatecurrentradio.com.